0: Hey, what is going on, y'all? It is Tuesday, August 18th, 2020, Uh, and since it's Tuesday, that means it is time for a brand new Hold That Podcast podcast brought to you by The Athletic. I am your host, T-Bob Abair. As always, I am joined by my co-host and athletic LSU beat writer, Brody Miller. Brody, what's up, dude? How are you feeling today?
1: Honestly, I mean, it all might be fool's gold at the end of the day, but right now I have an NBA playoff game on in my office, and I just finished an Ed Osher on press conference, so we're recording a pod. So, like, this is the closest—I mean, I feel relatively normal today, and that is a weird feeling. And like I said, it might all mean nothing in a few weeks, but right now life feels kind of normal, and it's good.
0: How about you? It feels good, dude. It feels good. I mean, especially uh, if you listen to last week's hang dog, kind of mopey, like, <laughs> life is pain, it's all over pod. That was an all-time uh,
1: pod. That, that's the one we're going to look back on, like Kanye's like 808s and heartbreak, and like, on, that was different, huh? Yeah. We were all over the place. We had to stop the pod like three times, and it was just sadness.
0: Goddamn cat when it stops scratching that freaking box. It's a oh, it was really making me mad. Uh, it was. It was just like a metaphor for my mood, essentially. Uh, but yeah, so here we sit, though, Brody, and much more positive this week for reasons that we'll get into. I, want, I don't want to jump on those off the bat, but one of the reasons uh, is that we have a brand new. SEC schedule and so we're going to break down the schedule from the LSU perspective we'll look at it from a conference whole perspective as well uh, it's, it's fun for I, I don't know about you I love schedule talk like everybody some people like mock drafts some people like uh, predicting records which kind of go part and parcel and so I, I enjoy that to a certain extent but like there is nothing that I love more in terms Ooh. of things that don't matter at all uh, than, like, looking at the flow of schedules. And I didn't know that about Looking you. at the peaks and the valleys. And and, and I don't know if it's just because maybe it's like a carryover from playing college football because the schedule seemed to mean so much. But, like, to me, a football season has this feeling of, like, you're, you're just a train hurtling down the track. So you're trying to do everything you can to keep up. You're trying to do everything you can to stay on rails. And sometimes you get some, like, brutal hairpin turns. that can derail you. They can screw you over. And sometimes you get more of a smooth ride. And as we're going to talk about with LSU, I think it's looking pretty damn smooth. Not to say there aren't any uphill climbs, but nothing insurmountable. So we'll talk all about the schedule today on the H-T-P-P. Uh Also, as Brody alluded to, uh, Ed Ogeron had a, another press conference. A, well, not another, uh, a press conference, right? Like... His we first normal press conference
1: our, in months, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, we get lucky and he comes on my radio show, but outside of that, and he does not, has not really done, well, Fox News, but outside of that, he has <laughs> not done any, like, other media. And so, uh, yeah, a normal press conference, even though it was on Zoom, so I'm kind of interested in how that went. And, uh, and, and then we don't want to take a look at college football as a whole and why we are maybe a bit more chipper this week. I think some good news broke on multiple fronts as far as college football is concerned. Um and 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 I want to kind of explore the topic as if the big, the big ten, is fully dead. Uh, but let's start with the schedule yesterday, Brody. Uh by the way, this is a athletic podcast. So it really helps us if you could go to the athletic.com slash hold that podcast. You'll get 40% off your sign up. Uh it's the best sports writing site out there. I use it every day for my job. There's no ads, no bullshit super talented writers that are paid well like it's 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 so worth it trust me it's super quality journalism use the sign up code and it's cheaper than coffee uh it's like three bucks a month or something crazy like that right so athletic.com slash hold that podcast also if you love the show or like the show or even if you don't i don't care i'm begging you to rate review five star share it it helps us out all right schedule talk brody um, yesterday the SEC taking lessons out of the NFL playbook little staggered release you got your week one schedule in fine bomb um, unfortunately I, I had heard a rumor that I was fully bought into and loved that they were going to go egg bowl week one you uh, love and, 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 and boy, that would have been super fantastic uh, in my head I had kind of not even put either old Miss or Mississippi State as a potential LSU opponent because of that but lo and behold the the news breaks, Brody LSU opening up with Mississippi State, and this is so the same way that they'll start their season. There, let's start this pod there. What was your reaction to the Week One matchup? I mean, obviously,
1: I get that like playing in Arkansas or you know, so a, a team like or Vanderbilt, an easier game. But in terms of just overall, I think that's almost as good of a matchup as you can have week one. And, and I get that Mike Leach is tricky and I get that it's, you know, it's a new secondary and there's a chance that, you know, that passing game KJ Costello could create problems. But I mean in the overall sense, you are opening the season against a, a generally speaking, you know, rebuilding program that's a few pieces away and a brand-new coach installing a brand-new scheme in an offseason where they had no spring and no normalcy, that is a dream opening week. You are facing a team with no stability right now to start the season. So, I mean, as much as LSU is a lot of new and a lot of different players, I mean, it's still this, a well-established machine here that, that knows what it's doing. So I think that is a, a win-win, and I think the fact that it's, a, what, a 26-point spread for LSU at, at early you know, lines coming out, I think that tells you a lot. I think LSU is going to open with a route here, which is huge for them.
0: Yeah, interestingly, um, you thought differently, we, didn't we you? talk? Well, well, well. I think I, th- I think it's maybe a bit more of a test than people are giving it. Like like I asked you this morning on the show if you would take LSU to cover the twenty six, and I believe you said that you would. right? I would
1: actually, which is rare for me.
0: Yeah, and that's and I don't know if it's just PTSD from being a long-standing person who's covered LSU football, but even after the heights of last year, I am still uh, very very uh, hesitant to accept LSU covering any huge number like that. And, and and look, so so I think there's a couple things interesting out of that 26-point spread. I think one of them is that although we've talked a lot in, in this offseason about the kind of general public's perception of LSU and how you just see, oh, you lost Burrow and you lost all these coaches and you lost all these other people, like surely you can't be good. I mean, they're only returning eight starters, which is the fewest in the entirety of the conference. But... Vegas, you know, Vegas knows all those old cliches, whatever. <laughs> you can see that they still think very highly of just the raw talent, even if it is an experience. the raw talent and the kind of system in place at LSU right now. Uh, so, So that does speak to maybe how good this team is. That said, I don't know if I'm just being paranoid. I have a bit more concern when I look at a Mike Leach team, which, as we said multiple times, Mike Leach is kind of like a, a puncher of a coach, right? He he will punch up and get one or two he upsets, is. I feel like, every year. Um, so you have a Mike Leach offense where, yeah, you have film on Leach's system, but you don't necessarily have film on him at Mississippi State and what kind of wrinkles he may throw in or what he'll look to take advantage of based on the players that he has. Um, so, so you have Leach coming in with a proven quarterback, the most important position. In all of football. I mean, so okay, help me out here, buddy. Did KJ Costello <laughs> get hurt in 2019? I believe he did. Yeah. I believe that I believe that's the case. Google it real quick. I believe that is the case. But his 2018 <laughs> numbers, Yeah. Um, I mean 2019, he was off to a good start. He had two to one in touchdown interception ratio, etc. Et but 2018, you're talking about a cat, thirty four hundred yards, sixty-five percent completion, twenty eight touchdowns, eleven picks, okay? Grad transfer. New system, new quarterback. I'm not saying – like, he is not Joe Burrow, but there are similar elements to the Burrow transfer in play there. And and, I don't think he has the same talent around him at all that Burrow got when he stepped into LSU. But, like, I think there's an ample case to be made to expect big things out of KJ Costello. And then you combine that with a new 4-3 defense – you lose another veteran uh, guy in Kerry Vincent out of the secondary, which we'll get to. He opted out, second player do so from LSU. Uh, and although you have a ton of talent replacing him, like I, I just still, I, I think there's elements that make this a bit more. As you said this morning, Leach is an agent of chaos, and there's a lot of unknown variables in it that make this week one matchup, week one matchup, a bit chaotic for me.
1: Yeah, I mean, no, I, I I can't really, like, argue against anything you're saying in a logical way by any means. Yeah, I completely agree. I think AJ Costello, in the grand scheme of things, is probably going to be a pretty productive quarterback. But I just, and all the things you're saying are right. It's just the overall thing of, one, I don't think Mississippi State's going to be good yet. Two, it's just—I don't think you can underestimate how big it is that it's a bunch of new coaches with no normal off season and a transfer quarterback, and like like we saw in 2018, like that doesn't like with Burrow, it's it's pretty rare that that just like seamlessly works out. It almost never does that quickly. So I just think there's a, so much. Ifiness going on in that situation, I, I and I don't. I mean, if, yeah, if I'm being I honest, Burrow, I don't.
0: My Burrow comparison doesn't really hold up, yeah. There either, because, and also, I don't really. I mean, there's shades, but like, like as you said, it's it's a different situation because what happens to Burrow without the coaching transfer? Like he's still or without the coaching change, he's still good in a senior year, but he doesn't take the crazy yeah. jump that he does. And so it's not it's not one to one.
1: And also, if like if I'm doing a power rankings in the SEC, if coaches I'm like confident are gonna like really handle. A pandemic well and create structure in their team and keep things on the rails i don't know if leach is in my my top tier on that category i, I have a gut feeling like you know i would put him on the lower end of people who really like i think O is actually on somebody i actually would rank pretty high in how he would handle a situation like this i don't think leach is so that's i just really hmm. kind of think they they route this one and i know we'll get to it but i just think that the first month of the season is an absolute gift for lsu yeah
0: yeah um hmm yeah, I, I. How about this? Because uh, admittedly, look, I, I, I don't. I don't know a ton about Mississippi State's current talent level. I know they returned Kylan Hill. Um, they they obviously bring Costello. Lost a good and, amount of transfers and on defense. In. It's just. Uh, do you think that the offense that he that the players that he has at Mississippi State is is there more talent there than he had at Washington State?
1: Um, if you're talking literal talent level, absolutely. Yes, just raw talent
0: absolutely. level, right? Yeah, I firmly uh, yeah, I think that. I thought
1: so. Yeah. And but I guess I think you it's more say relative, relative, to yeah. uh, relative to
0: relative conference, the conference. Relative to conference, fit,
1: things like that. I mean, I think we actually saw that with Moorhead, for example. That I don't think that roster like even really fit what he was doing, let alone what Leech wants to do.
0: Yeah, but one of the key things holding Moorhead back, on top of maybe just, you know, I mean... The jury's still out on Moorhead, right? Or no, is it? I don't know. Um, I think the jury's kind of still out like a, on
1: him. I don't think you can...
0: I, I think like, it would be foolish like Leach, to turn... Leach has at least done it at multiple... Yeah, foolish to turn, but also I, I think it's foolish to just think that that, that Moorhead is like an offensive oh, yeah, success yeah. in the same way that Leach is. Like Leach has done it multiple places with multiple different uh, groups. And, and when he stepped into that Washington State program... I mean, they were abysmal. They had had more players arrested than they had wins in the previous five years. And he got them to be pretty good. And, and and the turnaround was pretty immediate. Not not the not the entire turnaround, but like he had more success than you would have thought year one. So I don't know. I you give leech athletes I I I oh, yeah. now no, get you that like the camp thing, not having camp definitely hurts him, but I think mike leach could surprise people all right that's enough miss i was gonna state say
1: show. i am shocked by how much mississippi state time real estate was warranted in the first 20 minutes of this pot
0: well i love uh i i i, I, I like the mississippi state lsu rivalry I, I think the two fan bases are actually very similar in a lot of ways even firm a lot agree of times, lsu fans may not want to uh admit that they're actually the most uh, so similar. the rest of the uh schedule we we, we can break this down in uh I guess groups of four. We'll just start with the first four. So you get Mississippi State, September 26. Then you go to Vanderbilt. Uh, super easy. Not much to say there. You should just roll again. Then you host Missouri. Um, is there anything, uh, does Drinkwits and Mizzou do anything for you this year? Like, they're definitely not as bad as a Vanderbilt, but I certainly think about them in the same way that I think about Vanderbilt.
1: No, I know what you mean. Yeah, they're definitely in the same boat for me. Um but I'd actually put them in the Mississippi State category overall of, okay. of a team that has like you know a respectable amount of of talent. Like I don't think Mizzou is some dumpster fire. I think Mizzou is an okay program. I mean Drinkwitz, I think one thing he has proven is he can get everything out of what he has. You know, like he once you know one season at, at Appalachian State and already you know so, like jumped right in and produced and obviously inherited a good team, but still point stands.
0: So, that is the interesting part about Drinkwitz. Though. The players at App State when he left are like, "Hey, yeah, you know thanks. No disrespect to coach, but like the culture was already here." Yes, hundred percent. He 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 bought into us.
1: Yeah. So anyway, that is all a long way of saying I still think that's another game where you're probably still a 27, 28. I mean, you're home, you're home that game, right? So that's a twenty-eight point favorite game again. I I just really don't see any major. I think Drinkwitz is probably a smart coach. can probably scheme up pretty well, make things interesting. But I just think. Yeah, I kind of think LSU routes that one too, and and I mean we don't like I mean let's just talk about in the grand scheme of things a little bit. I mean yeah, LSU, you could not ask for a better situation. You could not ask for a bigger gift. I mean and like I said on your show this morning, and I put it in my story last night, but I mean like an LSU like higher up source when I asked him about what he thought of the schedule, literally just said. It's like they were in my head. You know, that's, this is exactly what LSU wanted to happen for the schedule. They wanted an easy warm up when you have a new quarterback and so much new on this team, and you have three games. You're probably going to be a twenty to five to thirty point favorite in all of them. None of your huge games are back to back. I mean, obviously, South Car- the Florida Aub- South Carolina Auburn stretch is tricky, but still. That's, I mean, in terms of the rest of the SEC, that's as easy of a schedule as you can possibly have, and you have the new. It's like the SEC very much took care of its defending national champs.
0: Yeah, yeah, and, and I, Virgil Osbury, who's an assistant athletic director at LSU, came on our radio program and basically confirmed that, uh, saying, like using a basketball analogy, if you're the one seed, you play the eight seed. <laughs> and it looks like that's like exactly how they handle it. Like Mizzou, y'all are bad, y'all are the new guys. Uh, okay, you got to deal with the shit. You get LSU and Alabama added to your schedule. Uh, So, okay, so then let's run through it so you can understand what Brody's talking about. So we open with, LSU opens with Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, Missouri, then Florida. So as Brody alluded to, you have this great kind of three-game ramp-up. preseason where uh, Yes, almost a preseason of sorts, where then you have to go to the Swamp. You then will return home and host South Carolina. Then you will go to Jordan-Hare and play Auburn. You'll have a bye week. And then you will host Alabama. And I want to focus on the middle portion because I I, I believe that. um, Well, before we get there, so then you host Alabama, then you'll go to Arkansas, to A and M, host Ole Miss to end. Uh, So it does have a bit of a bell curve sort of feel, right? Easy beginning, peaks in the middle, kind of descending recovery. Um, Which, if you're doing your Peloton, you should you know you should recognize that descending recovery. uh but 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 one thing that i think like when people hear you say it's easy and then they just look at the schedule they may be like yeah. brody what are you talking about four in three out of your four games like you have four games in which three of them are florida auburn alabama that's a really hard stretch and 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 it it is just in terms of games but that bye week changes everything also the fact that you have south carolina sandwiched between florida and auburn changes Everything it gives you a bit of a lesser opponent week where you know I think Will Muschamp's garbage. You uh you take out the trash, that's easy mode. Then you get to fully focus on Auburn. You don't have to look forward to Alabama because you have that bye week to get your mind right. So even though on paper that middle could almost look harder, I think on paper that middle looks harder than it is until you dive a little bit deeper. And then if you pass the Alabama test, and you you know you're you're in a good spot. You could kind of cruise into any potential postseason uh, with L- with Arkansas, A and M and Ole Miss. Yep. Obviously A and M's a good team. Yeah. Um, but I don't have them at the same caliber, no. at least not right now as Bama Auburn Florida. Yeah. I mean and
1: you they are it is a hard schedule. Like I can't make that clear enough. Like it is hard. It's an SEC only schedule, but when we're talking about like a win and a loss and what the schedule is, you have to view it for the prism of it it's an all sec schedule and you're comparing it to other teams sec schedules so i mean when you hear it's an all sec schedule you're thinking it's gonna be like a gauntlet every week and i and I'll, I'll just make the point that no other team has a schedule even close to as balanced and manageable as lsu because everyone else has brutal stretches you know alabama has it goes a&m Ole miss georgia tennessee that's three out of four threats four weeks where you play three pretty tough games and they have lsu uk auburn that's a brutal three weeks or so you go to georgia where it's Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama in consecutive weeks. No, Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, UK in consecutive weeks. Or you go to A&M where it's Alabama and... Florida and back to back weeks. and opens,
0: yeah. First three weeks. Remember A&M? All that talk of starting nine and zero or nine and one or whatever it was. And then and then you have to finish at LSU, Alabama. But like before they you should yeah. be golden. Now you gotta play Florida and Bama two out of the first three and, weeks.
1: And it's just the idea that every other team in the schedule has basically at least like a three game gauntlet. You know, like everybody has at least like a three or four week stretch where you're like, wow, that's that's hell. And LSU doesn't even have a two week gauntlet. I mean, granted like depending on what you think of South Carolina, that is a tough three-game stretch. But again, if you're just viewing it through the overall prism of like compared to everyone else in the SEC, they are avoiding all of the biggest troubling situations. And yeah, there are pros and cons to both. There's probably something you know, some coaches would probably argue there's something nice about having a really hard month consecutive and then another month where you take it easier. I think there might be something to that. But still, I think LSU would take this any day of the week where you always LSU have a bit of a rest. LSU still kind
0: of gets that, though. Even to your point, they still kind yeah. of get almost that full month in uh, a lot of these ways. What's a harder stretch, Brody? Uh, oh, yeah. Florida... Wait, no. What's a hardest stretch here? Florida, South Carolina, Auburn? Or... Auburn by week Alabama.
1: That's a great question. Um, I th- ooh that is tough. I'm gonna say the first one just because okay. I think that by yeah, exactly. week you can't understate and yeah. can overstate. I, I
0: think that's the correct answer. I just wanted you to open the door to me to no. on Will Muschamp again <laughs> and say that you valued him. That 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 literally that having a by week was harder. Than playing South Carolina, but uh, yeah, (laughs) wow, you
1: fraud! You were setting me up. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, but no, I mean, I really to think about it because obviously Auburn, Alabama is tougher than Florida in in Auburn. But I mean, yeah, I just think having three straight like that, the buy can't be understated. And I'm not even sure Auburn's that good. Like I have no idea what to make of Auburn right now. So yeah, I just think that's a tricky three game stretch. And and Uh... South Carolina is feisty. I mean, like I think they are a team that can compete. I just don't think they're gonna win a lot.
0: Oh, sorry. My natural instincts came out when you talked about South Carolina. Hey,
1: man. Hey, I'm going to throw this out there. Just, uh, I'm a huge fan. I, I think I've thrown him out on the show a lot. Colin Wilson at the Action Network. I actually believe he's like one of the best college football handicappers and analytics guys there is in the country, honestly. And I would love to get him on the show sometime. And, and you know, he did his SEC win total analytic, you know, his total projections for what his system says the line should be. And, hey, man. South Carolina has a 4.09 win total projection out of 10 games, which is pretty decent. Like, a 4-6 and six South Carolina season would be a win. For reference, Vanderbilt yeah. is 0.33, mm-hmm. and Arkansas is 0.96. So his, he doesn't even have them either of them most likely winning a game. God, M-
0: it is so sad what has happened to the Arkansas Razorbacks Mississippi in S- modern-day SEC football.
1: Mississippi State and Mizzou are basically together, where it's 2.35 and 2.75.
0: Wow, okay, I don't think I realized... That they were that bad, I, and like I "in I bads" a it. tricky word. I just think. Well, I guess that's true because they're in the West. Uh, yes, yes, and also just or like at least Mississippi State is.
1: And there's that whole thing of like you might be like close to good, but not good enough to win any games. Like that's a whole thing. I think that sometimes like things are the, the lines are thin a lot. And then South Carolina, Tennessee, and Kentucky are all in the four to five game range. I am most shocked <laughs> by a wide margin of him having Ole Miss five point one two. That shocks me. I mean, I thought Ole Miss was going to go like two. And Ole three. Miss at what? Five point one two.
0: I'm going to have to look at Ole Miss's schedule. I know, real quick here because and again, this is his I was his just opinion, trashing. I was just trashing Ole Miss today, because you're think having good. egg bowl debates and like. I, look, football's all, they, all about. I think they start. Right? 0-3. I do not trust. I do not trust either Ole Miss quarterback over KJ Costello and Mike Leach. Probably not. Even no. with Lane Kiffin, there's
1: a chance Lane Kiffin completely figures out how to use John Reese Plumley and gets like a ridiculous amount out of it. That's possible. But yeah, if you're talking trust, 100% go Costello over him. I mean, you probably if you're looking at Ole Miss, you probably start 0 and three with Florida, UK, Alabama. Maybe if you want to give him the benefit of the doubt, you you win one of those. You beat Arkansas. You'll probably lose to Auburn. That's one and four. Vanderbilt 2 and 5 South Carolina let's give him that just to be kind 3 and 5 A&M 3 and 6 okay Mississippi State 4 and s- all right you know I-, I see 4 wins in the end with LSU I do see 4 wins so I see 3 I'm yeah. not giving
0: him the Mississippi State one Yeah uh,
1: yeah no so. I-, I don't agree with that but hey that's that's kind of the point it's- this is not his belief this is his system so I guess sometimes we have to Okay. Wow, that's shocking. I'm okay,
0: I like it. I got a little more Ole Miss juice then than I would have thought previously. Oh,
1: me too. I do not think they're good this year. Again, I put them in the I think Lane Kiffin's going to do awesome things in the long run, but I just don't see it.
0: Um, he, I can't remember how we got on this Ole Miss tangent. Uh, we're looking at the want, win
1: total projections.
0: Okay, so something else I want to point out before we move on from schedule talk, uh, to your point about how LSU could not have planned it any better themselves, I think the other fascinating part about their schedule is is that in the year of the pandemic Where home crowds will not be max capacity Or at least I don't expect they will, right? Like, uh, I, I don't know if they'll be there or not But like 50%, whatever it's going to be It's not going to be full And and yes, you host Alabama And so having Alabama come And not having to deal with a full Tiger Stadium That sucks But I will take that If it means that you don't have to deal With a full swamp A full Jordan oh, yeah. Air Or a full college station like, it's even down to that angle that this works out in LSU's favor. The, every other year, LSU has an absolutely brutal road schedule right now. And and it is because you go to Florida, to Auburn, to A&M. And this season, at least the fan impact in those games should be lessened significantly so there are just breaks yeah, but- in all the layers of this schedule
1: no I think I think you were 100% right that's I not even mentioned in my own like breakdown last night I failed and you're completely right and I'll go even further first off yeah you're right this is the year where the road games are going to be your toughest part and the fact that you're basically three of them are getting neutralized is huge but I'll go one like weird you know theory I've thrown on the show a few times and I think you normally agree with me on this one step further and it's that my whole thing is that and they ended up proving right last year. My whole thing was I think LSU, if they ever beat Alabama, was going to be on the road. Because the one game a year Alabama and Nick Saban is going to get that team the most up for every single year is in Tiger Stadium, at LSU, mm. at his old mm. place, get up from the crowd. Because like, it's hard for Alabama to get up from the I know where
0: you're going right now. I so, love it. I love so it. now,
1: like, and again, this is like a out there, something I cannot, t- like, I cannot quantify this, but... I think now you're taking the crowd out of that game, and it takes a little something out of like Nick Saban's ability to get <laughs> them up for that game. Yeah. I know this sounds like silly, and I'm just talking out my ass a little bit, but I actually think like in a way that even helps them with that home game. I know it sounds terrible. No,
0: I agree, dude. I kind of get what you're saying. Like, There is something to that, man. If you are a team that is not intimidated by road environments and you're confident in your communication, I think Alabama has proven yeah. these things to be the case. Uh, you start to thrive on that hate. You love that hate. As you said, too, Alabama is so used to having to create their own motivation. it is rare when they have something that you know that 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 motivates them by itself. And going to Tiger Stadium does that because it's a hundred thousand strong. It's all purple and gold. There's normally like an SEC West lead on the line. There's all these factors and and one of the greatest feelings in the world. It's why I always say that, for my experience, 2010 in the Swamp was the fav- my favorite win I've ever been a part of. One of the greatest feelings in the world is shutting up a hostile crowd. <laughs> and, and you can get extra juice from that crowd the same way that a defense can from a great home crowd, right? And so uh, I, I love this take. As you said, next level. Uh, it's an angle I had not considered yet. So the biggest winner out of the SEC schedule. I think objectively, even though this is an LSU podcast, is LSU, uh, which it seems like they they you know they they hooked up the defending champs, and then there's like so they got two easy Eastern opponents added, and then it comes in a year in which you know they they always play Florida, but then it also comes in a year in which you're playing South Carolina, uh, which is a knife respite from the Georgia games of the last couple. So love it from an LSU perspective, Brody. I want to go conference wide, yeah, best games of each week.
1: Okay. Um
0: do you have do you have this po- I I have I have my opinions written down. I, I don't
1: week have one. written down but I I think I know my answer for almost every week and I'm just going to start with week 1 and I think that one's really obvious cuz the week 1 slate's kind of shm. Okay, I have
0: 3. I couldn't I couldn't choose just one. I couldn't choose just one. I'm
1: fascinated. Week 1 I think it's obvious. I think it's Auburn Kentucky. It's the only game okay. of only game between two genuinely competitive teams, I feel like. And that's just a fun one of unknowns. It's like, what is that Bo Nix, um, chad Morris marriage going to look like for the first time? UK, it's not a sexy team. it's like zero names on it. But it, it, it's really deep, really experienced. And there's a chance Kentucky's really good. I'm not betting on it yet, but I think they could be. So I, I think that's a really fun test where we're going to find out what both those teams are.
0: Yeah, so that was the first one that I had on my list. And then I kind of threw in... Well, I did throw Sorry in Mississippi that. State LSU because I think I think they may be a uh, a bit more competitive. Like I said earlier, and and I just I, I think the leach and the unknowns of leach versus Pellini and working in Miles Brennan and everything else. I just can't get away from that. And then I threw in Florida Ole Miss. Uh,
1: yeah, I don't see it, but. I think I'm I, wrong. I want to
0: see, and it might not, it might not, it might not be close. No, you're probably not wrong. I mean, it probably isn't close. I mean, Florida should be far well, better. Well, I'll they give it to you. Miss, the, but I'll say this kind of for range finding game.
1: The betting line is only eight on that one, which really okay, surprised hey, me. Hey, so hey, I think hey, you're on, at, you're probably on to something.
0: Look at your boy, dude. Who am I? I'm Vegas. T. Vegas. i always That's said that. T. Vegas. Yeah, you're
1: the guy uh, who hits one bet like first hour in Vegas, and you're like, I think I'm good at this, and then you go down Sunset Strip, ten grand, yeah.
0: Uh, I won a uh, – that's how I won my double Bob stroller is uh, along with my buddy Mintz. He let me hop on a bet with him. I put $25 that Pat Mahomes would score the first rushing touchdown in the Super Bowl. Bam. Won like 400 or something crazy. Atta Got a boy. stroller out of it. And the only reason I'm saying that is because that's like the first and only bet that I've ever really done like in my that. life. So to your point. All right, week two. Okay, week two. You lead off. Uh, A&M Bama, yeah. obviously. Yeah. Um, but I'm probably actually more interested in Auburn at UGA.
1: Really? Why is that?
0: Yeah, because I think Bama will roll AM. and
1: uh, Yeah, I mean, I probably think that. I think the line's got to be like 13 for that until A&M pro- shows us otherwise. But, yeah, I don't know why. I have no rational reason for this. But something, nothing about Auburn, Georgia is like sucking me in, which I know is weird considering I literally just said Auburn, Kentucky sucking me in. But a lot of sucking talk. But Well,
0: the week one week one's kind of a weak slate.
1: Yeah. But yeah, I just I don't know why nothing's getting me excited for that. Even though uh,
0: look what I what I like about Georgia is uh well what I what I'm interested about Georgia is I think they're consistently overrated a bit. I think they have a ton of question marks, and I think I want them to prove me wrong that I'm wrong for being low on so them. So do you
1: think 2017 Georgia was overrated? Um, what what
0: happened in 2017? That's the
1: undefe- That's the team that went to the title and lost you know in the championship on a last play. Well no, I
0: mean I think it's hard to say that if they just okay. won the championship. There's only been a few Kirby <laughs> Smart years. There's only been a
1: few Kirby smart years, so I'm like, well, how is that a fair opinion?
0: <laughs> Last year. Uh, they were because upgraded. because uh because I, I feel like they consistently uh I feel I, I feel like no team should be getting as much of the benefit of the doubt as they are okay. when they lost everybody from their offense, and it wasn't like their offense was even good. Their offense was still shit last yeah. year.
1: No argument there. And
0: then, and then they still think they're going to be good this year, so I don't know. We'll see. Although we do I mean, have
1: that's to— Yeah. Go on, never mind, sorry.
0: No, go on. I was going to say, Context. we're gonna,
1: let's talk about later, but—no, con- I was going to say, we're going to have to have a conversation about if our F- SEC East opinion changes based on the schedule, but we're going to save that. Um, okay, so I got
0: Georgia-Auburn, and then I want to see Knicks. Okay, uh, week three, I like Florida and A&M the best, no doubt.
1: Uh, yeah, that, that's not even close for me. I think that's an obvious one. I think that is – because one, assuming we're kind of on the same page that Alabama wins that game by, I don't know, 14, 20 points the week before – we're actually going to see what we think of A&M. One, can they bounce back from Alabama, which is always the hardest thing to do in college football, I think. And then two, just like this is an actual hypothetically even matchup, and it's it's at A&M, right? So I think that's going to be a really interesting one to watch. And it's really Florida's first test, so it's our first real test of what Kyle Trask is this year, what that defense looks like. So I think that's 100% my pick
0: yeah, so Florida A and M Tennessee um, Georgia is a good game. though. Tennessee, Georgia yeah. I have that on here too. Uh, i'm I'm interested in that to see what where both those teams are. yeah, again, cause you and I both are Georgia like Hayward. trying
1: you and I both I think are in the bandwagon of like we wanna we kind of like the idea of Tennessee being good this year,
0: but we just like can't sign up for it. Well, yet. look, I grew up with Tennessee being like an SEC stalwart. like it's like the same way that people like, you know, say douchey stuff like, college football's better when Michigan's good. Like, I, I kind of like when Tennessee's good. Also, I think you need a challenger in the East. Uh, well, I guess you have Florida, so never mind. But a triumvirate would be nice. Um, okay, week four. Best uh, week of the season. Yes. I got three bangers. Well, two bangers, really. UJ, Bama, LSU, Florida. And then I did throw AM Mississippi State in here. I guess they just have a Mike Leach thing. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Wait, wait. Which Mississippi State? Yeah, I mean, I don't see that. I don't see that one at all. If anything, doesn't hold
0: up. It doesn't hold up next to the other two at all. Now that I'm rereading this list,
1: if anything, if I'm gonna throw a third, I'm throwing Tennessee UK because that's the ultimate Brody game. Like, if you literally made a Brody game, that's it. It's two teams that like I think are good and deep, but like no one's talking about them. They're two like 25th to 30th in the country quality kind of teams. So that's a Brody game if I ever seen it. But yeah, no, it's the best. I mean. Alabama-Georgia is even before the cancellations, and even before anything. That was, what, the unanimous best college football game of the season this year. Yeah. I don't think anyone can argue that. So you have that the same week as LSU-Georgia, which I'm not going to say it's I mean it's top five or six, right? So I think that's that's absolutely the best week of the year, and I'm not, We don't even need to talk about that much. But yeah, I mean Alabama and Georgia yeah. is the best. UGA, Bama,
0: LSU, Florida speaks for itself. Uh, so we go from the best week to what I view as the worst. I think week. you might be right. Yeah. Uh, week five, we're going to take a little bit of a break. We're going to relax a little bit, and we're going to watch UGA, Kentucky.
1: See, you know what? I've been since we're saying the same team so often. I'm going to mix it up. And it'll... okay,
0: mix it up. Mix, mix it up. mix it up.
1: Um, Auburn, Ole Miss. I think that's the first time I'll yeah. be like, you know what? I do want to watch Ole Miss this weekend. You know, that's the first one. That'll be
0: dependent on if Ole Miss actually follows through on this, like, five-win potential.
1: And that's the tough thing because they're probably, like we said, they're probably starting 0-3. So, like, by the time they get to week five, like, they might be beaten up. Who knows? But it also might be the first time they really have a chance in a game. So, you could look either way. But yeah, I, I think that's actually like a, a weirdly fun game because, as, as we've said, there's a chance Auburn's really good, but there's also a chance Auburn's like a five and five team. Like if that happens, I would not be surprised. So, yeah, I, I like a, that is my 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 sneaky pick.
0: Week six is pretty garbage as well. Uh, LSU Auburn feels like the premier matchup there. Yeah, I don't think there's even like a slight contender with that. Yeah, I think that's definitely no. it. And I it, mean, unless you're into Vandy at Kentucky. Um, week seven, I have uh, Florida UGA, obviously. The, the 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 matchup to decide the East.
1: Yeah. Oh, God, yeah. Which, okay, it's time to do it. Let's talk about it. So you and I, and I, I even talked about this. We have an SEC roundtable, and I had to shout this out in, in it. Because you and I have been like the, the firmest people that are like, we're Florida guys. We like Dan Mullen. We kind of like Trask a
0: weird yeah. amount. We've we we like always been. Flip-flops, crystal meth. Uh, wearing, uh, I'm actually really into board shorts. Not even shorts. I feel like Florida people they like shorts, but I think like board shorts too. I've been wearing board shorts all summer, so I'm just like frosted tips in a puka shell away from being a Florida native.
1: Exactly. You couldn't say better yourself. Um, and I said that wrong. And yeah, so I think you and I—I <laughs> I really butchered that. So I mean, you and I have both been like, we think Florida wins the East, and we kind of like we're on an island there. But now you have a new schedule does that change your opinion because it's changed mine.
0: okay well you go ahead and uh, lay out your take first as I frantically Google Florida's oh yeah uh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it. I got you I got um they add
1: Arkansas and a and Florida adds them while G- Georgia adds Mississippi State and Arkansas so Georgia yes. adds two obvious wins while Florida adds am and then you even just add the fact that Florida's got some tough stretches in there it's kind of I, I don't know but does that change it because I think but going into like a normal season, I think you and I, even though we like Florida, we thought that was going to be a really close competition. It would just come down to this game. Now it's like, well, you've, their schedules are suddenly very different. So I, I, I kind of think you have to go Georgia now. For example, you pull up the Colin Wilson Action Network projections that I do like. Georgia's the highest in, in the country, with or the SEC, with 8.29, even higher than Alabama by a little while. Florida's 7.66, just for what it's worth.
0: Yeah, well, that's seven-point bullshit nice. because when I look at these schedules, uh, even with the new opponents, I think that uh, we mentioned not having a brutal stretch earlier. I'm not sure that Florida has a brutal stretch oh, at all. Okay. I mean, they've got a LSU, but yeah, no, maybe. Um, they've got a and LSU back-to-back, but then they start off with Ole Miss, South Carolina. I, yeah. Then after LSU, they get a break with Missouri before Georgia and a bye week. So, no, after Missouri, they have a bye week, actually. So they have bye week before Georgia. Then they have Arkansas, Vandy, and they finish with Kentucky, Tennessee. So like a couple hard pairings, but like that's a pretty good rhythmic schedule. Actually, right. Convinced. Yeah. Georgia opens with Arkansas, tough, very tough. But then they got to go Auburn, <laughs> Tennessee, Bama, Kentucky, Florida, bro. That's a tough five pack right there. It is.
1: And then you then but nothing that, easy about that. The only you know like yeah okay so but tell me like what do you think? Because if you're still picking Florida, tell me mm-hmm. what you think their record is and what you think Georgia's record is.
0: Hmm. Okay. Let me uh, do some quick mental calculations oh. here. Yeah, two and zero. Oh, I'm gonna even three, three and oh. one. Uh, I'll do three and one, four and one. Uh, well, I, I guess if I'm picking them, they have to beat Georgia, so that would have to move to five and one, six and one, seven and one. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know, dude. I mean, shit. You look Eight at this two, if we're doing schedule. Like, yeah. Eighteen is probably to, realistic. Yeah. I'd say they lose to a, let's, let's say they lose to a And M and LSU or one other. And one other, and it can't be Georgia though, right? Because you have to beat Georgia to win the East. So eight and two, with potential for nine and one. Yeah. Um, and then you look at Georgia. I mean, I think Georgia loses to Alabama, and in my equation, I have Georgia losing to Florida. So that puts them at eight and two, losing a tiebreaker.
1: Okay. I mean, hey, I, I the way you so it all
0: that, h- obviously it all hinges on Florida beating Georgia. Heads up. Which yeah? You no, that, I mean, that's you laid that's out a fair argument. I can't.
1: I think your argument's sound. I just think at the end of the day, Woo! I assume – I feel confident. I don't know who's going to win Florida-Georgia, but I feel confident Georgia goes 8-1 and one other than that game. You know what I mean? And I do – Florida, I could see a decent scenario where they go 7-2 and two in every other game. So,
0: yeah. Uh, potentially. All right. Potentially. But Florida, yeah. Even adding um, – even having to add uh, – who did they add, you said – a two games. Four yes, even A&M. adding a A&M, and their, I think their schedule still works out better. Uh, but as you point out, if, if Georgia does get by the tough part of their schedule unscathed, uh, they can be fully rested going into an SEC championship because they will finish yeah. with Mizzou, oh Mississippi goodness. State, South Carolina, and Vandy. Which is big. I mean, yeah. just garbage on top of garbage for the latter half for the Bulldogs, which also is another reason why I like someone like Florida or LSU's schedule is from a fan perspective, I don't like having those long chunks of games that I'm not super, super interested yeah. in. And it's nice to kind of, you know, uh, dip in and
1: out. And also, um, Georgia well, does have the tough part of like, it's almost trickier to like have to start the season with brutal games because you're probably not in form like as much as you'd like to be, you know? Yes. So that, that's
0: all I'll say. All right. Uh, I love this. I love schedules. As you can tell, they're fascinating. It just feels fun to talk about potential matchups it feels fun to look at his schedule and not see any like utah state or southeastern or any bs i mean it is brand name on brand name week in and week out uh i love it can't wait for college football neither can coach o brody go to the athletic.com slash hold that podcast coach nice. o had a press conference today a little subliminal messaging it wasn't subliminal, um, but anyway, but <laughs> well, yeah, I did it really quick. That's subliminal. Uh, <laughs> what, uh, what? What? What, 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 were the, what? Did anything stand out from well, the yeah. press conference? LSU think, opens camp yesterday.
1: I love this because I feel like you didn't hear like some pretty relevant news, and I think this is going to be fun to like drop this on you forty minutes into the podcast. But you might have already known this. Justin Thomas is not with the team anymore.
0: Uh, I did not know that.
1: Yeah, see, that, that's that's the starting defensive end has left the team. And he didn't really clarify if it was for, you know, discipline reasons or if it was opting out. They didn't really clarify that at all. I don't think Justin Thomas would opt out. But, um, yeah, so Justin Thomas was pretty much, like, the one sure thing to start at one of the defensive end spots. He is gone. He was probably He's one of their better pass-rushing defensive linemen. That's the big news of the day because you and I have already, I mean, we've kind of become broken records of, like, defensive ends, sneaky, the most interesting position to follow this year because there's no certainty. Now it's even less certain, and now you are really banking on the upside. And there is a lot of upside, but the upside of a lot of very unknown commodities.
0: Uh, yeah, it's I, – I guess I find it tough to quantify how much of a loss it is because – Well, Sure. Like I don't know, I don't know the impact of uh, that. toms getting. Like, do you do you think he left because these young guys were maybe pushing him out of reps? I
1: would be surprised. I okay. it's possible,
0: but I just doubt it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it, it would be early on for that to be happening. Exactly. Would, yeah. Oh man, on one
1: day of unpadded practice and Philip Webb really looks great going through yeah. the cone drill.
0: That's fair. Oh so so the the defensive end position, a position that's already full of unknowns, became even more unknown and even younger yes. today. And now again, they gotta go against Leech, week one.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, and and I found this really interesting. He said he's been talking a little higher of Trevez Moore, and Treves Moore has been my like sneaky keep a card in my back pocket, should I have some stock in him guy. But, and he said that Treves Moore and Andre Anthony as of like this second, which means nothing, but as of this second are their starting defensive ends. And I, I love that idea just from the concept of those are the old, those are the two guys that were put on this earth more to be true four three defensive ends than they ever were outside linebackers in the three four that like yeah. they're both like true old school really good pass rushers who just really struggled with everything else. You know, like, so I'm not – I actually doubt those end up being both the starters, but I think that's a really interesting thing because Treves Moore, despite all the off-the-field issues, despite all of his other issues where he's no idea what he's doing sometimes on the field, he can pass rush and he can really do well with just, like, matching up with the tackles. That's just a fun what-if.
0: Yeah, and uh, I it'd, it'd be cool if he, he made the field because I know that um... – he, he's been, public, I mean, he's put something on social media. I know that like he's been frustrated and thought about transferring at times. And uh, I believe he put it out there on social media that he had COVID earlier and that like it affected his appetite and he lost a ton of weight. Uh, so he's been through a lot for him to see the field that would speak to persistence, all that stuff. And I like when that happens. Um, other things that jumped out to you? Well, um,
1: I think he's continues to speak really highly of, Jaqueline Roy, which is obviously, you know, relevant. He almost talked about him as an edge rusher. So, you almost wonder, is, like, he getting thrown in at defensive end, possibly? I mean, he, he is kind of a similar body type to, like, a Justin Thomas as, like, a strong side D end, right? So, yeah. that's not, like, out of the question, I don't think. Um, and then I think, you know, it's not news, He said, on your show. We knew it the second Kerry Vincent opted out. But we do need to at least talk about Kerry Vincent yes. opting out. And the news is, you know, it's probably going to I would guess, Cordell Flott ends up being your new nickel. Which is relevant because, I mean, he's been saying on your show for like a month or two now, they're like, you know, Cordell Flott might be the nickel. And I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And, and you know, I think it's still going to be a competition between Elias Ricks, the five-star freshman, and Cordell Flott for the outside corner spot. But it almost sounds like the way he's talking, that whoever doesn't win that is your nickel. And, you know, I'm just curious, I guess, what is your feeling about the secondary now?
0: The feeling about the secondary is... Um... I'm I'm confident because there's such an exorbitant amount of talent that I, I don't know 100% who will win these jobs, but the winners of the jobs will be able to get the job done. Uh, like, there's just too much talent. It's like out my there. right guard
1: theory. I like it.
0: Uh, yes, yes. It's like you throw enough good guys at the wall, and somebody's going to stick. Also, for nickel corner, and, you know, nickel can be corner, safety, hybrid, whatever, right? Like, uh, Jordan Tolls and Mo Hampton uh, from the safety group, I feel like are names that they continue to mention as well. And maybe they break through to a more traditional starting safety role. But, like, I, I would even throw them in there. Yeah, because they're going to see the field. And, 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 yeah. Yes, like they're in the grab bag of guys you would throw against the wall. And Hampton- so I, I hate losing the experience of Vincent. And me and you are higher on Vincent than many were last season. Um, but it's not going to be like some death knell to LSU's secondary. No,
1: and actually Hampton, it's almost worth reminding everyone, and people probably know this, but I mean he was technically more of a cornerback prospect the whole time, and Bill Bush wanted him to be a safety, but it was yes. still like a what if what is he going to play thing. So him being a nickel safety could make a lot of sense. Other just like tidbit I'll throw out there is that I have talked to a few people when Vincent did transfer, and they're people who weren't like they're not the let's put it this way they're not the like I'm trying to steer the LSU is good message, and they're like. Vincent wasn't practicing well, like, yeah, like, you know, before he hmm. left and like workouts and stuff. So it, it might not be as big of a losses, but who knows? I don't want to like do that after the fact thing. I hate when people do that. I'm like, well, he actually sucked, but uh, I I just, I just wonder. So I, I do think they're going to be okay at defensive back. Like you said, they have enough depth and options there. And I do think Elias Ricks was already kind of winning that other corner job. So now being able to actually have a good, a spot for Cordell Flott to play could or or Hampton or, or Tolles or whoever you know, it might be, in I hate to think this way, but it almost might be a better long-term win because now you're getting more young guys in
0: there. Yeah, that's not mean you're not wrong there. Um, anything else from the presser? Nothing big, I wouldn't say, no. It's uh, uh, your they, favorite. They seem, they seem high on Xavier Hill.
1: Yeah. And yeah. guard. He's been the uh, – go on, sorry. No, no, no you go on. No, yeah, I mean, he's... I don't know much about him. Well, no, I think you and I have always heard the same thing. He's somebody, like, I remember hearing back in signing day, like, I mean, he was the lowest rated, I believe, of the offensive linemen they brought in, but you just kept hearing them be like, they are really high on Xavier Hill, or at least in in terms of, like, ready to play now, at least, they clearly have always viewed Hill as the one who's, like, most ready to actually compete, so, like, I don't know... Oh, wait, we're missing the other big news of the day, which connects to the Xavier Hill part a little bit. It's Austin awesome. Deculus is out for a little while, and, and I yes he's yes. gonna I mean everything I, let's put it this way I think he's going to be fine like he's gonna be available for opening day most likely, but that's relevant because that's one area I mean is we've talked so much about the offensive line at nauseam this summer and, and we've almost come around to being like maybe it's good but you can't argue that tackle is the one spot where you actually are pretty thin. So now, yeah. all of a sudden, Cam Wire might be your right tackle, or, or well, they said he said he said on, this
0: morning. On your, did he say uh, Doomerville? Or yeah, yeah. on yeah. your show, He's, he
1: said Doomerville and Charles Turner. Yes. and then today he also made sure to point out Cam Wire, who of course was all the right. backup left tackle. So that's irrelevant. Yeah, but still, no. I mean, that's surprising. right here
0: Charles Turner out there. Right? You're talking about a center. He's your third-string he center. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like no, so that's big. I mean, that's that's like a, all three of those names. No matter what you think is pretty questionable so i do think deckhills will be fine for opening day but it almost just more pinpoints that like if anyone gets hurt at tackle like
0: all of a sudden you're like what do you do no i mean look there's there's a lot of question marks in this offense dude there's a lot of question marks there's a lot of talent but there's a lot of question marks um all right so i, I think is that is that it for the presser i think that's all think so? that's worth talking about yeah okay uh topic number three day real quick just a couple Quickie. minutes yeah. here at the end um i'm feeling I'm feeling more confident about college football than I was last week. Uh, and the reasons are a couple. Um, the main thing would be uh, this development of this F- this new FDA approved saliva test um, which can be turned around uh, within a few hours. It has an eighty eight to ninety three percent accuracy rate, meaning if you took it twice, it'd be ninety nine percent accurate. Um, there's also an idea of pooled testing for doing mass groups, but the main advantage of the saliva test, which was developed at Yale, funded by the NBA, um, and this is not just for college football. This is for businesses. This is for kind of society as a whole. The main advantage that it has is it's cheap. Yeah. Uh, a corona test right now costs about 100 bucks. A saliva test would cost 4 Maybe, like, consumer pricing goes up to 10 to 20 bucks, something along those lines. But if you are a school looking to test on mass, you are talking about... A price point that is suddenly twenty times less than what it was previously—that's a massive deal, in my opinion. Uh, battling this thing, testing the ease of testing, is the main—it's—it's—it's—it's um, it's, it's, it's the main hurdle to overcome. Uh, the other big hurdle to overcome would be students returning, and this is still incredibly sketchy to me. Uh, but I think in the interesting North Carolina news of the day. You have a blueprint being laid out that I think a lot of schools will end up following in one way or another where North Carolina came back. ton of students tested positive. We're seeing partying all over the place. This will probably happen throughout the country but now North Carolina is going online only and still planning on playing football. Now I don't know if other schools do that, but I think other schools start to think about okay, do we have our players go online only And the rest of the student population could do it uh, with potential talks of the big ten maybe being brought back there's ideas that there there's whisper 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 whispers rumors don't take them too seriously that that they're trying to figure out a situation how to create a bubble type of atmosphere to me that would be like players going to school online and then just going to the facility and back Um, but but I think that there are there are ways and there are new technologies being developed that could help a football season take place So that is an
1: interesting way to think about it. That the the North Carolina situation is actually a positive, but I just view it as. I mean, I guess my immediate reaction is, "Wow, it's not going well with students coming back to campus," and I feel like. No,
0: why? Why would it? It never was. Well, no, no.
1: I mean, yeah. No, of course (laughs) not. But I feel like everybody I've talked to, I mean, has been like, "That's the number one thing," and I mean, like, even though everyone's going forward, I think most in the SEC would kind of like. I don't know. I feel like most college football will tell you they're still going forward, but they still doubt football happens.
0: And it, it was all kind of like, who do you, who do, who do you, who, who, who do you, I don't know. I don't know if that's actually the consensus feeling here. I don't know.
1: I, I, I've, some of it's from medical people I've talked to for stories. Some of it's from administrators I've talked to, but yeah. And then you go to, and then all of a sudden it's like the whole thing I heard. I mean, I heard I was for example, I'm working on Tulane's story and, and the Tulane, you know, head doctor who's actually the head of the entire American Conference uh, medical advisory board, is been you know, he even said it's like we're waiting on how the student goes and Labor Day is the big day in the fact that it's already starting really bad with students is, is is not a good sign. And then you're right, that it is interesting that North Carolina is actually okay with going forward without students, because that was a huge debate
0: in this and country. That's the key part right there. But because I, if, if 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 the bat if, if it comes to pass that students being on campus is untenable or not working, if North Carolina is pushing through I think instead of canceling, I think other schools are going to find ways to adapt and push through as well.
1: I hope you're right. I hope they're okay with that. I hope the entire country like comes to that decision and and I think it's the smart decision. And I think that would be better for college football. But part of me just really doubt there because there is that whole debate. You, we've talked about it on the show. I mean, a lot of people are like, you can't do that because you're you know the whole the amateurism and admitting that students are the different part. I mean, athletes are a different part of the population. All those things. I'm just not confident that every like all these school presidents are actually going to be okay with sending some home and keeping others. And I hope they
0: do. I mean, i would be great for college football. And I think the smarter move for the country. I'm just not sold on that. It's just interesting, though, because it doesn't feel like the Big Ten's being applauded for shutting down, right? No. Like, I think that Kevin Warren and the Big Ten thought that they would get kudos. And, and a lot of this just comes from the part of the country that we live in, uh, geographically, politically. And so it's it's just a different feeling than, say, if we were living in California where you haven't heard a PAC or you haven't heard a peep out of the PAC-12 because they are being applauded uh, in ways for shutting down. Uh, but Big Ten country is a little more diverse politically, a little more all over the spectrum. And I don't think that Kevin Warren is quite getting the reaction that he thought he would when they decided to move football to the spring. I mean, there are rumors everywhere that they are now trying to make a season happen again, 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 Heavy grain of salt, big-time rumors. Um, But what do you think? Could the Big Ten change course? Could they bring this season back from the dead? I mean, yes. The answer is, can they? Of course. There's no binding reason not to.
1: There's no... I mean, the only reason that you... Greg
0: McElroy on SportsCenter said that it would show weakness, so there was no way to do it. I know, and
1: if you're making decisions during 2020, a year of just, like, absolute chaos and, like, everything going on, if you're making any decision on anything you're in charge of based on your own pride and embarrassment, which I don't think Kevin Warren is, by the way, but if you are, you should not be leading that organization. (laughs) Like You should be (laughs) fired if during this year of all things you're making decisions on that. That's terrible. I'm I'm, I'm not criticizing Greg McElroy because I actually don't Think Greg, I just don't think Kevin Warren would think that way. So, I, I yes, the answer is yes. Of course you can reverse I,
0: I just think it's an easy argument for Warren to make. If the pool testing is the breakthrough that some are heralding it, or not the pool testing, the saliva testing, is the breakthrough that some are heralding it as, uh, because if that comes to pass, and it, if it's as effective as it maybe looks like it could be, then all of a sudden the leadership to decision to postpone Instead of cancel or to delay, instead of uh, cancel till spring, um, looks very w- smart, looks yeah. looks very smart, uh, because it relied on, and this is something that Dan Carlin has talked about on a great common sense podcast, one that he doesn't do anymore because politics got so toxic that he's just going to handle anymore, which sucks. He's a genius, uh, but he, he 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 had this one podcast where he's kind of going through the theory of like, okay, what happens when you get all of humanity's greatest minds working towards a single goal? How fast can you accelerate innovation and in this, and he's talked about like climate change, things like that, but in this pandemic in 2020, we are seeing that just against COVID, right? Like all the top minds all throughout the country are actively working towards a single goal. And the, the pace of innovation is staggering. When you look at the fact that there are already 27 vaccines going into human trials, uh, one of which coming out of Oxford and one of which coming out of California are, are kind of being heralded as, as they have a very good chance of working. It could potentially be around by like November. And you think about this new saliva test being as accurate as it is. All of a sudden, you don't have to stick something up your nose. Remember the beginning of this, not only are you either having to get blood work or stick something up your nose, but you are waiting days for results. And now, yeah. less than half a year later, they have a saliva test where you can get the results in a couple of hours? I mean, it's pretty wild, dude. It's pretty wild. And so if, if it does come to pass, then again, like I said, the leadership of Sankey, which I've been critical of, kind of applauded other times, I've been a bit all over the place. His strategy of kind of just spitting out word salads while buying time ends up looking like the better one. than does Kevin Warren, who who tried to be more proactive. And And look, this is all a giant gamble. Because if the nightmare comes to pass and something bad happens to a player, Kevin Warren is heralded as the hero and the other conferences are heralded as the greedy money-grubbing, you know, uh, just bad people. But if you make it through a season without that nightmare scenario, all of a sudden Kevin Warren is looked at a bit foolish, a bit skittish, and these other leaders are looked at and applauded for trusting in human innovation. So, like, the high-stakes game of whether to play or not right now – it's pretty fascinating just from a pure how we are going to judge these leaders with the benefit of hindsight. No,
1: nah, I mean, I, I'm not going to sit here and I don't disagree with anything you're saying. Yeah, I mean, my overall opinion is, yes, the Big Ten can reverse course, and I think they, they who knows, but my overall gut is I doubt they do. You know, that's They didn't kinda, even have a vote
0: reportedly. There's yeah. There too.
1: Doesn't that seem like semantics? There. I think that's been like my number one takeaway from these last five months is how much like someone can be, Okay, Some, someone can act like somebody's but, but
0: don't but don't semantics matter with the decision of this magnitude like should it not be codified I mean don't you need more than like a non-verbal agreement like hey yeah let's just postpone till spring
1: No you're you're right I guess you're right I just don't really know cuz I mean like I've, I've I've heard this I'm sure you've heard there've been so many times where like somebody reports like this conference is shutting down and then another reporter will be like well the vote hasn't happened yet and it's like all right it's semantics they're, like they're they, they are going to vote 9-1. They just haven't technically, like, had the physical vote. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying, like, I think there's... It's a-
0: just interesting to see some uh, some actual journalistic voices. Not like the Sir Yacht guy that I interviewed this morning, yeah. which is just fairly funny. Like, a kid who's stirring up all these rumors based on one source. And I'm like, dude, sort of one source can go so sideways so quick. You can think for sure they're right, and then it goes wrong. But there are other more legit journalists and authors who who are citing people in those voting rooms saying that Kevin Warren, that a lot of school presidents were arguing to postpone a lot of the other conferences and that Kevin Warren was really advocating for a full pushback to spring. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll, we'll see, see where this all goes. We'll see where it all goes. But like I said, the spit test has me feeling way better about the potential of college football this fall. And I'm just fascinated to see where this big 10 stuff goes. Uh, all right, Brody, Anything else the way out of here? How's Peloton life? Feeling good? I mean,
1: it's going well. Yeah. I mean, I I, I made the move to advanced beginner maybe a, early, like a few nice. days earlier than I should have. But now I'm back and I'm feeling good. So, yeah, overall good reviews. Big Peloton guy.
0: Who's your uh, Who's your favorite instructor? So,
1: I'm glad you asked. I've been trying to figure it out. You know, I, I, Leanne I had some good moments with. I like Sam a Leanne lot. Leanne Hainesby is great. Yeah, I like Sam uh, Sam a good amount. And then Robin, I really liked the last time I did Robin, so I I think I have like a group of three that I'm pretty comfortable with. Check for you tried
0: reasons. you tried Cody Rigsby yet?
1: I have not. You recommend
0: Cody Rigsby's my guy, my favorite guy. What, what do you like about? Uh, him? He's hilarious. He's just really. I
1: don't think funny. I want funny. I don't think that's what I'm looking for.
0: Um. Okay. Well, you know that's fair. You are a completely unfun stick in the mud. Uh. So that makes sense. Time and place. Um, you know. Well, I'm glad to hear time and place. <laughs> I'm glad. Sometimes the over motivational guys just don't do it.
1: Those, I'm with you there. I don't want the guys like, you can believe in yourself. I'm like, all right, guy. Like, I'm, well, in, that's fine. I'm in my that's office. Fine. On a I'm not bike. here to
0: shit on that. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, just try, just try, try out a little Cody Rigsby. I will, I will. And tell me if you don't have a good time. 100%. I'm going to say. Also, Ali Love, ass kicker. And Jess King is crazy, but I kind of like her. Uh, so that is the whole that that phase, podcast. Yeah podcast <laughs> HTTP uh, go ahead and uh, rate review share it with your friends go to athletic.com slash hold that podcast sign up 40% off uh, we're in a good mood today hopefully we'll be in a good mood next week see you next Tuesday we're out